Good morning and a very warm welcome to all of you this morning, especially welcome to any visitors who are here uh, with us as well. It's good to see you. The notices have been going around on the uh, wall behind and they will be uh, going around again at the end of the service. Uh, many of them are also contained on the notice sheets as well, so do grab a copy of one of those if you haven't already got one. Just a couple of extra things to highlight. Um, the Thursday Club. There's a meeting of Thursday Club this Thursday, the 27th of April. The speaker will be Audrey from Audrey's Hats. And um, she'll be bringing a selection of men's and women's hats to illustrate her talk. So, um, so that's Thursday, if you'd like to come along and learn more about hats. Um, Tomorrow is, uh, tomorrow Monday, there is an Open Doors prayer group meeting. That's at 7.30, and they're going to be meeting at 17 Woodward Close, which is the home of Brian and Francis Collingbourne. If you don't know where that is, uh, or you want to find out more, um, if you could speak to Brian and Francis, they'll be able to tell you where it is. Brian, could you just raise your hand? That's Brian there, so um, if, uh, if any of you wants to find out more about praying for Open Doors for persecuted Christians throughout the world, then um, that's tomorrow night. Um, and then there is a prayer meeting on Thursday at uh, the Tisdall's house. And uh, if you need to know where that is, you can speak to Alison. And Alison's going to raise her hand in just a moment as well. So if you don't know who Alison is, then that's who she is. If you'd like to come along and pray for the church, that's um, this Thursday. And finally, the trumpet call praying for the community, praying for the nation. There was a notice about that going around on the wall. Um, that is the 13th of May. If you'd like to go, it is a ticketed event. If you could let Alison know again, please, by next Sunday so that we can order the tickets and arrange transport for people who would like to go to the Birmingham NEC Arena and pray for uh, the community, pray for the nation with Christians from throughout the country. So that's, um, that's the things that are going on. Uh, as I say, the notices will be coming back around afterwards. Uh, so if you've forgotten anything, then please do have a look at them then. I read this from um, the Psalms as I was um, having a quiet time this morning. I thought it would be a, a good way to start. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. We come and we praise our God, whose glory is throughout the earth, whose glory is in heaven, who reaches out to us today. And let's stand and sing together as we remind ourselves of one of his great acts of love, the greatest act of love of all, sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to live and to die for us. Christ is risen. Alleluia. <laughs>
Father God, as we meet today, we do so to sing your praises, to sing your praises among the people, to sing your praises among the nations, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. And this morning we come and we celebrate the truth that Christ is risen. Alleluia. Christ is risen from the dead. We come to celebrate all that that has achieved, that Jesus died on the cross that we might be forgiven, that Jesus rose again to show that death need hold no fear, that death has been conquered and we are put right with you and have the promise of eternal life with you. So our God today, we do sing our praises to you. We sing with hearts full of joy Joy that goes beyond what we're facing outside of here. Joy that goes beyond anything else. Joy because of the truth of what you have done. We praise you, our God, today. We praise you. Praise if you heavens and all that's above. Praise if you angels and heavens. 
So, Father, as we meet today and we lift your name on high, we pray that we would know your presence that goes with us every step of the way. We would know your presence here today, speaking into our lives as the God who was, who is, and evermore will be. We praise you and worship you this day. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I could do with um, a volunteer, well a couple of volunteers actually. Josh, your hand was up very, very quickly. Do come forward. Come on then, Dougie, you as well, yeah. And um, I'll go on Elizabeth then, as you insisted. (laughs) Thank you. And um, on the the overhead, are you any good at recognising colours? You? Yeah. Right, what I want you to do is go along the line from left to right as we look at it, just saying the colours. And um, Josh, you go first. Yellow, blue, orange, um, brown, blacky, yeah. red, green, white, yellow, red, orange, green, purpley, browny, blue. Excellent. Thank you very much. For, um, we'll just call that browny, blacky. Like, we'll call it black, okay, for, for now. It is meant to be black, but I know it's not quite, um, quite like that. Dougie, go on. You, you have a go. Excellent, thank you very much. And um, now, Elizabeth, your turn. Could we have the next slide up? Can you do the same, please? I've lost where you are, actually, now. Second to last row. Black, blue, red, and green. Well done. Well done. Not so easy. If anyone's ever tried that, it is very, very difficult, actually, to go along the line and not say, not read, rather than just say the, say the colour. Thank you for demonstrating that so well. You did, all did very well indeed. Thank you. Well, sometimes... You know what you've got to do. You can see it, and yet somehow it seems so difficult to actually do it. You know that it sounds very easy just to have to identify a colour. And yet, it can be so difficult. Sometimes, the Christian life can be like that. We know what we should do. It seems quite straightforward. If we read the Bible, the instructions seem quite clear. But when it actually comes to putting it in place in our lives, well, it becomes more like trying to get through reading the colours when your mind's saying something else. You know, it can be very difficult for us always to do the right thing. And uh, that's what we're celebrating at Easter, that Christ has come into the world, that even when we make mistakes, even when we go wrong, even when we know what we should be doing and yet somehow it still goes wrong, 
Christ has come that we can be forgiven. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we know what we should be doing and don't do it. Christ died for us, that we might be saved and put right with God. And we know that he could do that. We know that he had the power to do it, because he was raised from the dead. And that's what we're celebrating at Easter, that glorious good news. Let's pray. Father God, we know that sometimes we might understand what you're telling us to do, and it can seem quite straightforward. But there are times when we go off and we do our own thing and we don't do what you tell us to do. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you forgive us. That each of us here today, when we confess to you and truly repent and seek to turn and follow you, each of us is forgiven. Thank you, Father, for that truth that we can live by. Thank you. Amen. We're going to take up our offering for God's work. Loving God, you have paid a debt we could never repay. But now we bring to you our gifts of money, not an attempt to repay you, but just to say, here is a token of our response to you. Not only our money, but our lives given to you. Because we know that you are worthy to receive our offering, not just of money, but of our lives. And so we give this to you now, in the name of Christ. Amen. For the young people, go to their groups. We're going to sing again. 
Great is he who's the King of Kings. And uh, there are different parts to this, but we'll start off with us all singing Great is He. Different people will be singing different parts. If you feel confident enough to sing in and join in with the different parts, please do. If not, just keep singing Great is He. Okay? So let's stand and sing together. Great is He who's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is wonderful. <coughs> people as they've gone to their groups. Father God, thank you for the gift of children. Thank you for the life, for the joy that they bring into this place. We pray that as they have gone to their groups now, that you will bless them this morning. That what they hear and what they learn will be the foundations on which they build their lives. 
Lord, we pray for the leaders as well, that you will bless them through all that they teach this morning. That even as they are imparting your truths to the young, they will be acknowledging them in their hearts once again. So bless them, we pray today. And bless us also, we pray, as we continue to worship you. Amen. We're going to have some space, some time to pray to God. We're going to ask for the Spirit to fall on us again afresh. Breathe on me, breath of God. As we take this time to allow God to work in our lives, to be speaking to us in this quieter, more reflective time. Let's open our hearts to whatever God might want to say to us today. Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with thine, to do and to endure. Maybe there are things that we face during the week, situations where we need to make sure our will is the same as God's. 
maybe now is the time to pray for that. Maybe you know of people who who need to be able to do that and you want to take this opportunity to pray for them. But even as we ask God's breath to fall afresh on us, let us do so, seeking that we will get to know him more for who he is, that our will will be one with his until we are wholly his. So our God, as we have prayed, as we prayed for ourselves, as we prayed for others who are maybe known to us, we pray too for our world. A world so desperate that it needs to hear your truth. We pray for our nation. A nation caught up with tolerance, with acceptance, both of which are very good things, but can lead to denying of truth. For our nation where people are always looking for conspiracy theories, rather than wanting to hear the truth. Lord, we pray that your truth will shine through in our nation. And Lord, we pray that as we have a responsibility to shine forth here in this area, you will help us to do exactly that. Lord, we want to see your glory seen all around us. Lord, for the many who do not know you, we pray that you will help us to take seriously the responsibility that we have to share your good news. Father, we pray for those who are sharing your message in other countries throughout the world. We thank you for those who faithfully leave the comfort of their homes to 
more difficult ways of life. Leaving comfort behind, leaving family and friends behind, in order that your gospel may be taken throughout the world. We pray again for our link missionaries, Mike and Davine. Lord, bless them in their work, we pray. We pray for again for this time for Mark and Cheryl. That as they're back in this country, you would bless them during this time. And fill them again, that they will be able to continue doing your work. For those who risk their lives in worshipping you, we pray for continued strength. Father, we lift these people to you this morning. In the name of Christ. Jesus, what a beautiful name, Son of God, Son of Man, Lamb that was slain. Joy and peace, strength and hope, grace that blows all fear away. Jesus, what a beautiful name. continue to worship God as we hear his word to us today. It's uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, and we're reading the first 18 verses. Today we're starting a new series where we're going to be looking at women in the Bible. And uh, over uh, a series of, I think it's about five weeks, we're going to be looking at various people like Miriam, Mary and Martha, 
and um, I forget who else, apart from Mary Magdalene this morning, and there's a couple of others that I can't remember offhand, but they will be on the notices. So um, we're going to start with uh, reading about Mary Magdalene, John 20, and reading the first 18 verses, and Mary's going to read that for us. Reading can be found on page 144. The Empty Tomb. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the entrance. She went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and told them they had taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Then Peter and the other disciple went to the tomb. The two of them were running, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and saw the linen wrappings, but he did not go in. Behind him came Simon Peter, and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings laying there and the cloth which had been round Jesus' head. It was not lying with the linen wrappings but was rolled up by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. They still did not understand the scriptures which said that he must rise from death. Then the disciples went back home. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. Mary stood crying outside the tomb. While she was still crying, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels there dressed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been one at the head and the other at the feet. Woman, why are you crying? they asked her. She answered, They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. Then she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who is it that you are looking for? She thought it was the gardener. So she said to him, If you took him away, sir, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and said in Hebrew, Rebonai, this means teacher. Do not hold on to me, Jesus told her, because I have not yet gone back up to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am returning to him who is my Father and their Father, my God and their God. So Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and related to them what he had told her. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, your word that tells us 
of Jesus, of that time when he rose from the dead. We pray that uh, as we look at this story this morning, as we look at Mary in particular, you will speak to us and you will reveal your word to us today. In the name of Christ. Amen. There is a story about Beethoven. Shortly after he died and was buried uh, in, in Germany. And um, the graveyard that he was buried in, there was a, there was a drunk there who was uh, walking about and he suddenly heard something very, very strange coming from around Beethoven's grave. And um, somewhat alarmed by this, he ran off to get the priest. And uh, the priest came and looked around the grave and heard something strange as well coming from there. Something that sounded a little bit like music, but not like any music they'd heard before. They decided to get the magistrate involved, and so they called the magistrate in, and he too came, and he listened, and he could hear the music, and by now a crowd was gathering, because they were really worried about what was going on, about what they were hearing. And then suddenly one of the uh, connoisseurs of music suddenly said, I know what that is. That's Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, but it's being played backwards. And so he listened a little bit more, and then he said, that's the Eighth Symphony, and that's being played backwards as well. And suddenly the priest said, oh no, it's okay, don't worry, I've realised what it is, it's just Beethoven decomposing. (laughs) It's an old one, I know, but... um, (laughs) When people die... We expect them to start decomposing. Jesus died on the Friday. By the time Sunday came around, people would have begun to expect the body to begin decomposing. But Jesus, of course, didn't. Jesus rose from the dead. The grave could not hold him. Death had been defeated. Jesus is alive. That is the Easter message. And of course, today we hear one of the accounts of how this was discovered, with Mary Magdalene as a central figure in that. And I thought it's, um, it would be good to look at Mary Magdalene at this time, because I think there's going to be a lot of interest in her. You know, if there isn't now, there will be over the coming weeks and months, not least because if you haven't heard of it or read of it, Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code. And there's a film going to be released very shortly. The Da Vinci Code has sold over 40 million copies worldwide. And uh, without trying to spoil the story for any of you who are planning to read it or are reading it at the minute, uh, contained within that is theories about Mary Magdalene and Jesus. And uh, the main conspiracy theory, if you like, within there is that Jesus never actually died. He and Mary Magdalene were married and they escaped to France and lived a quiet life there. That's um, the sort of uh, theory that the book takes. And, uh, of course, the Archbishop of Canterbury in his Easter sermon last Sunday spoke about the way that so many in society look for conspiracy theories, don't want to hold to the truth, but look for something that's been covered up, that people have been hiding throughout the centuries, that gives a very different complexion of Christianity. 
Let me say, I've read the book as a book. It's a, well, I think it's a good read. I enjoyed reading it. Um, it's one of those books that if you take it to bed with you to read, you suddenly realise time has gone on and it's far later than you plan to be staying up to read. Uh, and yet you carry on reading a little bit more anyway because you want to see what's going to happen next. As theological truth, uh, it is not a good book at all. And um, it, it contains a lot of theories that have been known about for a long time but are not based on truth. We will hear, though, a lot more, I'm sure, in the coming days and weeks about Mary Magdalene. And if you type into Google uh, a search for Mary Magdalene, you will discover all sorts of other things about her. You will discover things like, apparently, she was supposed to be 27 when she married Jesus. At 30, they had their first child, who they called... um, Raphael, I think it was, or something like that. Uh, At 34, they had their next child, who they called Jesus. And uh, Mary Magdalene had a further child at the age of 40. She lived until the age of 60 and died in the year AD 63, apparently, if you believe all of this stuff. And um, also, as one uh, website I, I looked at tried to make me believe that she was actually the author of the fourth gospel that we call John. And uh, when we read of the beloved disciple, uh, so the argument goes, that they were actually referring to Mary Magdalene. She was the beloved disciple. I say all this just to warn you that you will be able to read a lot of stuff and a lot of it won't be true. And so certainly where you read it, be careful about reading things that may proclaim truth where there isn't actually a lot of evidence to support what is being claimed to be true. But it did strike me that with all of this going on and with all of these potentialities of hearing things that are not truth, we should spend some time this morning focusing on Mary Magdalene and asking the question, what can we learn from her? What can we learn from Mary Magdalene that is important for us to hear this morning? Well, there are three things that I'm going to talk about, three lessons we can learn from Mary. And the first of these is to learn from her devotion. You see, Mary Magdalene uh, was one of the prominent people who, were, who was written about, one of the prominent disciples of Christ written about in the Bible. She's mentioned uh, 11 times, I think it is, in the New Testament. The first time we read of a very personal story for her where she came to know of Jesus when he released her from the power of seven demons. We don't know what those seven demons were or what they were doing to her. We just read that she was released from them. Although there's no scriptural proof of this, she is often identified with the, as the sinful woman who anointed Jesus, who washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. Mary, we read of in John's Gospel, walked along the path of the crucifixion and was there at Jesus' death. Mary was the one who was on that first Easter Sunday morning who, was got, who got up early while it was still dark and went to the tomb that she might place spices in there. Mary was the one who, when the other disciples had come and seen the empty grave, was the one who stayed behind as the other disciples returned. Mary was the one who, in every step of the way, sought to show her devotion to Christ. 
just those examples show Mary being determined to stay as close to Christ as she possibly could. Mary Magdalene was a devoted follower of Jesus. And that's something I think we can learn. We, can, we need to ask ourselves the question, how determined are we to stay close to Jesus? Because we see great determination from Mary to stay close. She was willing to resource Jesus. If we read in Luke 8, we would read that as Jesus went out preaching in the towns and the villages, sharing the good news, healing people, that some of the some women went with them and they used their resources to provide for Jesus and the other disciples. Mary was one of those. How determined are we to stay close to Jesus that financially we will use our resources in order to do that? Mary was. She stayed close to Jesus and it cost her financially. How willing are we to do that? And I don't mean just about the, the loose change that we give away, but are we willing to stay close to Jesus, even if it costs us to the point of hurting the normal way of life that we would live? Mary was. We can learn from her devotion. Mary was devoted to Jesus, even when the going got really tough, when the wheels seemed to be coming off on Jesus' mission when it was going to lead to his death. Did Mary run away? No. She was there at his death. She saw the pain and suffering of her Lord. Even when things got difficult, Mary was devoted. How devoted are we when things get difficult? When life is tough? When things seem to be going wrong? When the wheels are falling off? How devoted are we? How determined are we to say, stay close to Jesus during that time? Mary was devoted. She was the one who was willing to get up early in the morning while it was still dark in order to spend time with Jesus. In the midst of our busy days, how willing are we to maybe get up early? Maybe even while it's still dark in order to worship God. How devoted are we to Christ? Mary was devoted. And again we see in verses 10 and 11 as Mary stays around when the other disciples have gone on. Verses 10 and 11. The other disciples went back home. Mary stood crying outside the tomb. She was still there trying to be as close to Jesus as she possibly could be. She was seeking to stay as close to Jesus as possible and was willing to put the time into that. How willing are we to put that time into it? Learn from Mary's devotion. I find it tremendously challenging when I look at Mary's devotion to say, hey, this is how I need to be. And as I just give those examples, I think, how good am I at doing those things? I could be better. Maybe it's a challenge all of us need to learn from the devotion that Mary Magdalene had. We can also learn from her sadness. Wellington was the last hope for Britain in the war against Napoleon and France. 
And as it came to the final battle, there was an opportunity to get news back to England. And the way the news was going to be spread to England was through a series of lights being flashed from one one church rooftop to another. And the message after the battle was to be this, Wellington defeated Napoleon. As um, the message was being transferred across the country, there came a point where the fog came down somewhere around London. And uh, as the message was being uh, being communicated, uh, the fog came down at the point where it said, Wellington defeated. And that's all that happened. For a few hours, people were in a state of real worry that the country had been defeated, Napoleon was going to come and was going to take over. And then the fog lifted and the rest of the message got through. Wellington defeated Napoleon. As we look at Mary, she was outside the tomb crying and Jesus asked her a question. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And she, she responded and said, well, it was about Jesus. She mistook him for, for the gardener and um, said, if you took him away, sir, will you tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him? The answer to why Mary was crying might seem an obvious one. The person who she followed, who she was devoted to, had died on the cross. And now she was even being robbed of her right to grieve. She was robbed of her right to grieve because the body had been stolen. Mary was crying because she had heard part of the message of Easter. Jesus defeated. But what she was going to discover was there was a fuller message. Once the fog cleared and the full message was communicated, Jesus defeated death. Mary was crying because in spite of her devotion, she misunderstood. She was making wrong assumptions. She assumed that the mission of Jesus was at an end. And yet it wasn't. It was at the beginning. Her assumptions were wrong. And I think we can learn from Mary as well in this. Because I think we need to open ourselves to the possibility at times. Yes, there is a very faint possibility that we might not know everything. That we might misunderstand what God is doing. There is that faint possibility. Honesty compels me to admit it's more than a faint possibility for me. And it doesn't affect the fact that we're devoted to Jesus. Mary Magdalene was devoted to Jesus, but she didn't understand everything. We can be devoted to Jesus, but still not quite understand everything. And we need to be open to that possibility. Probability. More, even a higher probability than that. You know, 100% probability. We don't know everything. We don't know everything that God is doing. We will make wrong assumptions at the time, at times about what God is doing. We will make mistakes. Mary did. But she was devoted to Christ. She was devoted to him, but she still didn't understand everything. And we can learn from that, that we too 
may make mistakes. We may not understand everything. We need to be open to that possibility. Thirdly, I think we can learn from Mary's release. Do not hold on to me, Jesus told her, because I have not yet gone back up to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am returning to him who is my Father and their Father, my God and their God. I think it's quite a natural reaction, isn't it? You know, I'm just thinking, how would I have been if I suddenly was there on that Easter Sunday morning and the person who I thought who I'd lost suddenly was there again? Wouldn't I want to go and hold on? I think there's a part of me that would never want to leave that place just to say, let's stay here. You know, my hope is raised again. Isn't this fantastic? And Jesus says to her, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to me because I have not yet gone back up to the Father. Perhaps he was saying to her, look, you've known me in the past, but although I'm still alive, you're not going to know me in quite the same way in the future. Yes, death has been defeated. Yes, I'm alive. But it doesn't mean to say everything's just as it was before. Things are a little bit different now. Don't hold on to me. Go and do my work. My work for you right now is for you to go and tell the other disciples that I'm alive. That's what I want you to do. Go and get on with it. And Mary does. She does exactly that. and She runs to the disciples. And um, she tells them that she has seen the Lord and told, tells them what he has told her. I wonder for us, when we have an amazing experience of meeting with the risen Christ, is there not a temptation for us to hold on to that feeling? To always want to feel just like that? Wasn't there that temptation for Mary to hold on to that feeling? To want to feel forever, just as she felt at that moment when she discovered that Jesus was alive? I'm sure that was the temptation. And Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me. Live in the light of the experience that you have had. Go and do my work. Isn't that what Jesus calls us to do? Not to hold on to an experience and just live that experience again and again. But live in light of that experience. I do know there have been people who've experienced God in a powerful way in a certain place. And I've known them go back to that place time after time after time to try and recreate that great experience that they had. And yet it never happens. If Mary had gone back Sunday after Sunday to that garden at the same time at the same place, she may well never have meet, met Jesus again in that same way as she did on that Easter Sunday morning. She wasn't to live hankering after that ex- same experience again. She was to live in light of that experience. And that's God's call to us, I believe, as well. Not to go back seeking experience after experience of where we felt God before but to live in light of the experience that we have had, of having met with the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and to go and get on with doing the work that he has for us. That's not to say there weren't going to be more amazing experiences for Mary on the way. It wasn't to say that she would never meet with Jesus again, 
But it was to say, don't stay in the same place. Don't hang on to what you've known before. Move forward. And I believe God gives us exactly the same call today. This is a lesson for us to learn from Mary. Not to hang on to the past and say, this is where I met Jesus before. This is the way I'm always going to do things to try and meet Jesus in that way again. But to say, yes, I will move forward. I will go and get on with the work that Christ has called me to do. And in doing so, I will have more wonderful experiences of who Christ is. Mary had to release Jesus to discover him in a new way. And I believe we need to release Jesus, not to put him in some sort of theological box where we try and understand everything about him, but release Jesus and discover him in new ways because we don't know him perfectly yet. We don't know him perfectly. There's a whole lot more about Jesus, about God, that we do not know. And we need to release ourselves from past experiences to discover the new that we might be released to see Jesus in more of his glory. So I ask the question, how willing are we to discover God in new ways? I think all of us would say, yeah, wouldn't it be fantastic to know God in new ways? Wouldn't it be great to meet him in new places? Are we willing to do the things that will actually make that happen? How willing are we to discover God in new ways? And I guess this kind of brings us back to where I started about Mary's devotion. How devoted are we to Christ? How determined are we to be with him every step of the way in our journey here in this world? How determined are we to be going about doing his work in this place? There's so much that we can learn from Mary in this story. Are the lessons that you and I need to learn from Mary Magdalene about devotion, about understanding and about experiencing God in new ways. I can say, as I've prepared and thought about Mary, the answer for me is yes, there are things I need to learn. What's your answer? What is it for you? Are there things that you need to learn and understand and change and be challenged by as we look at this life of Mary? Mary, who discovers the joy of meeting the risen Christ. May God help us to live in light of that wonderful truth that Christ is risen. Death has been defeated. And in living in that truth, may God help us to be devoted to him to seek greater understanding while acknowledging we may not understand everything and to seek to experience God in new ways. Let's pray. And in the quietness we take a moment to reflect. Perhaps on our level of devotion to God. 
may be on our understanding. Maybe there are things that we don't understand and struggle with. Let's ask God for help. Maybe it feels like we did once experience God and it feels like we're living on that experience. Maybe you need to experience God in a new way and you know you need that. Maybe now is the time to just pray that God would reveal himself to you in the coming days and weeks in new ways. Father, as we're taking this time to respond, we pray now that this wouldn't be a few moments response here on a Sunday, but that you would be challenging us throughout the week. You would be revealing yourself to us. Lord, help us to have ears to listen. that you may be number one in our lives. And in all our ways and in all that we do, help us to seek to be committed to you. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who died, who rose again, and lives forevermore. Amen. We're going to close our service this morning by singing a final hymn. It's the um, same hymn that we finished with last week, which was a new one for many people, but a, a number spoke about how much they enjoyed singing it, and it's a wonderful new Easter hymn, See What a Morning, and um, it will talk within that of the experience of Mary. So let's stand and sing together of this glorious truth that Christ is risen from the dead.
and so may the joy that Christ has risen from the dead be yours this day. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with you and those that you love this day and forever. Amen.